Welcome to the SOB Podcast. Everything fun about family dysfunction with your hosts, Shannon Livingston and Joe Lobosco. This podcast covers it all from mobsters to motherhood and strip clubs to Sunday school with candid conversations on everything from surviving to thriving. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SOB podcast, the son of a bitch. But we have to say SOB so we can list it on different platforms. But uh, I am one of your hosts, Shannon Livingston, and I would be the bitch. And I am Joe Labosco, and I am the son. And once again, not bringing any energy at all to the opening. I do the opening, you do the closing, and I swear you sabotage the opening. That's part of my brand. Oh, I feel like when I take a nap just listening to you. And it's been a while since we've been in the studio, so I know you may be a little rusty. No, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Oh, you are? Mm. And you don't have a loud beverage this I time? I don't have a loud beverage. I did that intentionally. So oh, thank if, you. Yeah. My I brought you a new sippy cup. dry and scratchy, it's because I'm dehydrated. If you dehydrate and we need to get you an IV later, I'm prepared for that. I don't like needles unless they're a tattoo, which I'm still looking into. But um, We'll get you a that, tattoo after for being a big boy and getting a, an IV. You should never get tattoos if you're dehydrated. Just a fun fact. Why is that? Because it's just not good for any time you're going through something that has that much trauma, which is mm-hmm. something we'll be talking about. Nice uh, lead in. You just want to, your body want, you want to have your body in optimal conditions. That includes you want to train to get a tattoo? plenty of water. No, you just want to, you know, it's like getting ready for a test or a triathlon or, you know, it, you have to be physically prepared you have okay. to get I didn't do any of that and my tattoo looks great and, after still like well, 30 years so I don't believe any of that I think I you're reading know. way too much uh like whatever articles you're reading the internet okay well that's the thing anybody can post an article on the internet anywho now that we've had all that nonsense banter thank you so much for that opening you're welcome. um we are going to get into a, a really serious topic today and so first Joe I just have to to say thank you for being here with me because this is not something that we would typically do. Um, and it's not something really that you're going to have a lot of, uh, of input to. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I'm going to be talking about something that happened to me. It's not going to be easy for you to hear. It's not new to you. You have known for years that, um, that this thing happened, but we have never really sat down, nor have I sat down with anyone mm-hmm. and, and discussed the details. So just thanks for being here. And, um, you know, I guess I'm just kind of explaining your role throughout this whole thing is not not going to be really monumental. But I do. It is monumental to me that you're here just being here. I appreciate that. So so thank you for that. Just um, from a a mother to a son, not a a host to a host. Understood. Or co-host. See, we have sweet moments sometimes. Um, it's not good for radio, but continue. I know we'll edit all of that nice shit out later. Just cut that all out. Uh, so really, we were going to talk about my hometown of Grandview, Missouri, and a particular religious sect that has uh, taken that town over. And I, I say that kind of in a 
that sounds kind of negative when when I say it. It has. Mm, I mean, like, well, that is that's up for debate. What happened? And that's something <laughs> that we will talk about in a future episode. Yeah. But um, I literally just got back in town from my thirty year high school reunion, and I had a few things happen that really gave me this overwhelming urge to kind of push that episode forward. I have to do this one. And for a couple of reasons, um, one, you know, is when I get, when I get motivated to do something, that's it. I, I really have a lot of energy and I, I like to just go and do it. And, um, two, it's, it's kind of scary. And although I feel like I've thought it out and I know the pros and cons, I want to do it before I chicken out. So, um, so we're going to talk today about my 30 year high school reunion and how, um, certain conversations and comments inspired and, and triggered me to do this episode, um, because the record needs to be set straight. And I don't feel this happened 33 years ago and I don't feel like a huge sense of, of anger over it, um, but it has had such long lasting, really lifelong ramifications and changed the trajectory of my life and the lives of other people involved. And so I understand that, you know, some people will hear this and think, oh, my gosh, like, why even bring this up? You know, especially because it was traumatic. So mm -hmm. why bring this up? Why make this a thing? And because it is a thing. It's a thing for me every day of my life, um, just because of the ripple effect and, and it affects you. And that's another reason, you know, I want to say for having you here in the room when I'm discussing this, it does affect you, right? I, I'm somebody's daughter, I'm somebody's mother, and it affects the people that care about me as well. Absolutely. I know that doesn't give you a lot of, a lot of lead in to, to say anything, but, uh, thank yeah, you for, man. for nodding. I get it. So, my hometown, uh, to give you just a little bit of, of background, Granby, Missouri is kind of a working class suburb of Kansas City. And I went to school with basically the same people from kindergarten all the way up to high school. We had a couple of middle schools that, um, you know, joined, uh, joined up for the, the one high school. So there was one high school. And I was fairly popular. I, I didn't ever really have like a subculture, a clique never been a click person, mm -hmm. kind of a multifaceted, um, really curious. I like all different types of people. And so I've just never, never had a click, but we um, had vastly different childhoods. Yeah, <clears throat> we did because I was still popular. I was still, yeah. I got along with everyone. Well, if that's what, what popular means and we all knew each other. So it wasn't like, Oh, everyone knew me. Like everyone knew everyone. It was yeah, a small, small town. town yeah. yeah. We all knew each other's siblings and everything else. So, so I grew up with all of these people and, um, you know, got up to the high school level and of course new people that I hadn't met yet my sophomore year. And I kind of figured out what the social hierarchy was and, um, and continued on with my friendships from middle school that were with kind of the more, more popular kids. And I went to my first big high school party and I don't remember who specifically drove me. Cause I was not driving at the time. I was 15 years old, uh, my sophomore year and sometime around like before the Christmas break, I, I don't know why that's in my head like that, but because it seems like it was warmer outside than Christmas for Missouri. But I do think it was like the big break right before, you know, our, our Christmas break, which now they call 
holiday break, winter break. Yeah. Whatever non-offensive thing they think it is. So I go to this party and it was with several friends. And again, I can't even remember who specifically was in the car with me and who drove because they did hang out with different people. It wasn't like, you know, I had the same core four people like you have. Sure. So I can't say, yeah. Oh, my crew and I went, um, and it was 33 years ago. Yeah. And quite frankly, it's not something that I really tried to, uh, to remember I would imagine not too much. So I go to this party and we all kind of split up. It's in this person's house. His parents, I think were out of town. I mean, they weren't there, so they were somewhere and huge party. Everybody in school's there. It's, you know, I'm a sophomore, but it, it really, it's a senior's party. So it's more senior people. And, um, I started to drink, I think it was keg beer that I started and then they had hard liquor and I didn't really, I didn't drink my, you know, my parents didn't drink. So it's not like we had a liquor cabinet that I would sneak from and experiment. And, um, I just didn't have a whole lot of experience drinking. And I don't think there were any drugs involved. I don't think anybody drugged me. I don't think I was smoking weed. I don't, I don't think there was any of that. So I think it was just alcohol. So at one point, um, it's kind of hazy, but I remember, uh, this boy, we'll call him John. John came up to me and started talking and, um, said, oh, you know, we're going to go on a liquor run. So do you and your friend want to go? And I didn't know what friend he was talking about. And I was like, oh, you know, I, okay, whatever. Again, not really understanding what's going on right. or, you know, but I trusted him. I didn't think I had to, to question anything because I had grown up in this town and I trusted the people that took me. I trusted, I just had really a false sense of security being at this party with all of these hometown people. And I was naive. I was 15. I was not well socialized. I've always been a late bloomer. I know that's hard for people to um, to really accept, but you know, I wasn't really that interested in boys. I had kissed my first boy, I think six months prior to this at 15 years old, it kind of grossed me out. I broke up with them because they didn't want to have to do it again. And I wasn't, I just wasn't ready. wasn't ready for boys. Didn't get it. It was kind of awkward in that sense. So, um, so I wasn't thinking about all of these things, I guess that you should think about when well, and most people at that age don't how this happens yeah you know 15 is it's such a tough age anyway you, yeah well uh, you don't in my experience at least you don't really learn that you need to to an extent always be on your guard right. until you're at least 18 years old maybe so. so so i didn't um so i didn't understand that i didn't you know realize this was an older boy maybe with other intentions um and so the night went on a little bit and he was giving me more alcohol because I was kind of hesitant to go. I didn't really understand why we would be going to get liquor. But um, then he said, all right, you know, let's let's go. And we started walking out to the car. Um, and I don't really remember getting in the car. Uh, and I don't remember driving um, like to any location. The next thing that I remembered was I was in the back seat of the car and I woke up from being in pain because he was on top of me and inside of me. And of course I had been a virgin. So that hurts. Um, and then I remember somebody driving by and honking 
And uh, there was another, the driver of the vehicle had my friend Jody um, pinned down in the front. And I don't even think she was conscious. Um, and I say that not because I could see what was going on, but because I stayed fairly awake and alert from the point that I woke up to the drive back to the house and she was not talking. And when we stopped, they had to physically pull her out and carry her out of the car. So that's how incapacitated she was. Um, so that seems like that would be the worst, most horrible part of the story. And it's not. Um, so I found out later that, and again, some of this I pieced together um, after that night. Some of it has been pieced together with minimal conversations with people through the years because it's not something that I brought up. Mm. Uh, you know, Jody and I never discussed it until the reunion. And that was, you know, one of the, the things that, that triggered me. There were three people really at that reunion that motivated me to do this podcast, whether they realize it or not. Usually people don't realize when they say or do something. Um, and it's usually some minimal thing that kind of lights the fire. But so one was my friend Erica, and I can use her real name because she's not involved in any of the horrible parts of this story. It's just that she and I grew up on the same street. She knew me, like really knew me. Um, early on, stood by me all through school. And when I saw her at that reunion, I was really reminded of who I was, not in a, oh, I'm so strong and, you know, I can do this. But I was re reminded that I was sweet. You know, I was, I had a lot of um, normalcy, I guess, that was taken from me because of what happened after. So, and I'll have to breathe because I'm just... 33 years later and talking about it again, I haven't talked about it before. So Erica really reminded me that I was a child at that point because she was my childhood friend. Um, and connecting with her made me feel like I just really, really, um, I guess became aware of my growth because I knew her for so long and from so far back it just kind of brought it all together for me. And then the second person that I saw at the reunion that prompted this was Jody. And like I said, we had not discussed this ever, ever in the past. And she had been drinking a little bit. And um, you could see the pain in her eyes still about this night. And not so much even that night because she doesn't really remember it. It was what happened after. It was how we were treated after in that high school, in that town, in that small town of Grandview, Missouri, how we were absolutely vilified for being the kind of girls that would lure these boys away from their girlfriends, being the kind of girls that would just, you know, indiscriminately go out and do whatever. And those other boys in that school took advantage of that and made up their own rumors. So on top of what had happened to us with people driving by to witness, because apparently John and his friend Thad um, had told people what they were going to do. You know, this was going to be a big spectator sport, I guess. I'm just so grateful that social media and camera phones didn't exist back then because this would have been one of those stories. So but it, instead, it was a... Uh, 
you know, he said, she said, but I didn't really say too much and neither did Jody. Um, and the rumors started to grow that, you know, Jody had had sex with, uh, two other guys after we got back to the house that I had sex with some guy up against a tree after we got back. I mean, it was just a free for all for, you know, any guy that wanted to base his reputation or be part of the story or whatever. And so the girls of course turned on us and um, you know, guys don't want to date girls with that kind of a story attached to them, whether it's true or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about high school when everybody's trying to fit in and just get through so, um, so then the third person that, uh, inspired this story, uh, being told is, uh, my friend. I don't think that will probably be the case after this podcast, but, uh, my friend Glenda, who was the girlfriend of the boy, John, that took me on that ride and raped me. Let's call it what it was. I was 15 years old. That's rape in the state of Missouri. I was absolutely incapacitated and not able to give my consent, and that is rape in the state of Missouri. So although it may not fit some violent uh, movie image of what people think rape is, he raped me, and Thad raped Jody in that car. Um, And calling it anything else is absolutely disrespectful to us, and we have carried that burden We have taken 100% responsibility for that night, and enough is enough. Those boys need to take responsibility for what they did. And to really understand what they did, you have to look 33 years down the road. And that's another reason for me doing this story. We're going to be getting into later podcast episodes about me running strip clubs and, you know, private parties And as I was discussing earlier today with the friend, well-adjusted girls with good relationships with their fathers and and girls that weren't raped, losing their virginity, don't go into strip clubs. That's just not not how it's done. So, you know, this is part of laying the foundation of who I am and how that then progressed into later choices. Because not only did everyone at that school think that was true about me, those rumors, I thought that was true. You know, that got into my head and that affected me and my choices and that affected Jody and her choices. And while I decided to, I guess, turn sex into a commodity and take control of it because I felt like that was having power where before I was so powerless in that situation, you know, if this is going to happen to me, I'm going to set the terms. If this is what it is, I'm going to be in control Um, where that wasn't the case for, for Jody. Uh, You know, I don't want to say that I know what her life is now. I just know that when we were talking about this very briefly, it was very clear to me that this has had lifelong ramifications for her. And it's something that she still still struggles with um, today. So, so the third person that, that I ran into Glenda, the girlfriend it's a complicated, complicated relationship. Um, and I can't say that I harbor resentment against her. She was actually very kind to me when this happened. However, she did still expect me to take 100% of the blame. She continued to, to date this boy. Uh, they had a child together and 
later got married and they've been married for, you know, however many years now. So it has not been something that I have been able to go back to her and say, hey, by the way, uh, we didn't really have a conversation about what happened. You know, when I said, Glenda, I'm so sorry that that this happened. I was really drunk and and I was trying to tell her that I was victimized. But instead, she just, you know, thought it was an excuse. That's no excuse. Uh, you knew, you knew we were together. So it was easier for me emotionally, socially at that point. Uh, Glenda was very popular. The the boy, John, involved, he was very popular. He was a senior. I was not going to survive fighting this. And I didn't really remember 100% everything that had happened. You know, it was just not going to be a great defense. Mm -hmm. And my father was an attorney. If I would have told my parents, I'm pretty sure it would have ended up being in the courts. Um, and that was not something that I wanted to happen either. I, I felt absolutely responsible, absolutely responsible for this. So she was kind to me. She, she continued our friendship. I have to say that the girlfriend of the other boy was not so kind. And that was part of why um, Jody has been so affected. The, she, the, the other girlfriend went out of her way to make sure that people continued those rumors and that they got as vicious as possible. And unfortunately, that girl has since passed on. So that is another layer of Jody not being able to tell her story, right? You can't say, oh, that, that girl that everybody liked that has since passed away, she really made my life hell. Mm -hmm. That's not allowable. So I'll say it now. Uh, I knew that girl since I was five years old. She was not always nice. And she did make life very, very difficult for a rape victim. So there's that. Um, but also I have to say, I don't hold people responsible for their 15 year old, 16 year old reaction of maybe the ones that, that joined in on the rumors and, and just claimed that they, they had sex with us, uh, maybe a little animosity toward them, but the people that believed the rumors that spread the rumors that laughed at the jokes that, you know, were part of it instead of being on the outside of it, the people that blamed me. Uh, instead of defending me, we were all 15, 16, yeah. 17, whatever. And I just hope that now we can look back on that night and really think about the facts, really think about the fact that I was 15, Jody was 15, the boys were 17, we were drunk. Um, we, you know, I was a virgin. I don't know about, about Jody, but uh, it was not something that I wanted, that I was ready for, that I was in the practice of. And the aftermath of what happened really just changed us, changed us in everybody else's view, changed us in our own view. Um, and it's taken me a long time to really trace it back to that night because I was so dismissive and took so much responsibility for it. But now, now I realize what it is. And I hope that everyone else can realize what it is. Um, you know, the, at that reunion, there was another girl there that I know he had also taken her virginity when she was drunk at a party. I don't know if there was consent or not outside of being drunk. I don't know how old she was. So I don't want to comment on that too much. But, um, you know, I'm just saying this happened frequently in, in towns like mine. 
And there are grown women that are carrying this shit around that grown women that their reputation was ruined in high school and they never had a chance to date the nice guy. They never had a chance to be part of that clique and, you know, be part of that group of friends because of rumors or because of a bad decision of trusting the wrong person or, you know, getting into a car that you shouldn't have. So, you know, at the reunion, someone was complaining about someone else's behavior because they had been drinking, you know, the reunion was at a bar and Glinda said, oh, you know, don't, we don't accept uh, excuses like that. That's, that's an excuse that you use in high school that, you know, you were drunk. And then she looked at me and I don't know if that was an intentional thing on her part or me just receiving it that way. I don't know if she's resentful against me because of how she thinks that night happened or if I'm resentful against her because I had to carry that lie to protect her and her peace and his peace and my social peace. Um, but there was resentment and I don't know what to do about that other than, um, you know, I'm pretty sure our friendship is over now. Now that the, the truth is out, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was contingent upon acting like her now husband didn't rape me at 15, but he did. And, uh, you know, Jody was also in that car raped by his friend. Everybody laughed about it. Everybody made it worse with their lies to, you know, increase their own social worth or, or whatever. So not everybody has a podcast. Not everybody has a platform. Not everybody is able to say, this is what really happened. And this is how I hope you'll look at it. Uh, not everybody has evolved. You know, there were people at that reunion that really had done a lot of growth and, um, and had matured, you know, quite a bit. And we kind of buried the hatchet on old things. Other people were in the same place doing the same thing. So how this is received is not really my concern. I'm no longer concerned with keeping other people's peace. For me to have my peace, I have to tell the truth. And really, for Jody, she, she has not been able to tell the truth. She does not have a podcast. She doesn't have a loud voice. And I just feel like it's so important for me to try to give a little bit of dignity back to her. And so if you live in that town or around that town and you see her out, be nice. Understand what we went through. Understand that she's still back there. She's, you know, she's dealing with the sideways glances because 33 years later, they were still coming. I mean, these are not people that I could even remember their name, but apparently, you know, they remembered me and weren't so uh, impressed or made their little jokes about you know, what my reputation was. Um, so I feel like now I've, I've gotten it out. Does that make you totally uncomfortable hearing that story? I just have a couple things I'd like to say. First, I'd like to congratulate the Milwaukee Bucks on winning their first NBA title in 50 years. Just happened last night. Um, Completely and, inappropriate. And I would also nice deflection of your emotion, though, like to say I know that's what it was. That, 
you know, if you say that the joke is a joke, then it's not funny anymore. But that's not the place for a joke. And I don't want people to think that you are flippant about my feelings. Can you let me finish my... No, I have to be serious all the time. Yeah, I've noticed this was supposed to be entertainment. And here we are discussing this. It's not very important. Very. Yeah, it's not always entertainment. It's a public platform. Yeah, I, I get it. Don't make me edit this out. I had a out. whole loop that you then jammed in the middle of because you had an instant gut reaction. It's emotional. So, I'm going to have a gut reaction. Yeah, and so am I. All right, go ahead. Take two. No, the, that just stays. But uh, it's a big deal. That's 50 years. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, rape and sexual assault are very serious issues that happen everywhere. It doesn't just happen in... Uh, dark alleys or Hollywood boardrooms or in Grandview High School. It's something that affects everyone, either directly or by proxy or passed down along generations of a family, trauma, mental illness, whatever, however that manifests itself on on both sides, both from the victim and the victimizer, you know, that it's a very complicated issue that does make people uncomfortable so it uh you know needs to be people just need to be made more aware that this isn't something that just happens on tv or you know in the bad neighborhoods this is something that happens everywhere you know in my particular high school i didn't know yeah, I wasn't made aware of anything like this happening, but I also probably wouldn't have been because I wasn't in the in crowd who would have been discussing things like that. So, you know, just based on what I know of the type of people I went to high school with and how big that school was, I'm sure a lot of things like this probably happened and that people are still dealing with. So, And, you know, when you say that the topic makes people uncomfortable, it absolutely does. I mean, I mean I'm crawling out of my skin right now, just sitting here, you know, trying not to cry. But that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, I understand. I know that you understand. You're my DNA and you're smart. But other people I want to understand, we have got to start talking about what happens to us. You know, it can't be your life. And I'm not looking to destroy anybody else's existing life. Um, But the truth is the truth and you can't just go around hurting people and think that that's okay. And that that doesn't have lifelong ramifications for the people involved. So that's it. So thank you for letting me get that out. I, I do feel better. And thank you for, um, you know, for your addition to it. You had some really good thoughts on it. Again, I know it's, really, really awful for you to have to sit here and listen to this and be part of this. Um, But I don't know. I don't know any other way to do it. Fair enough. So you want to take us out? Peace and love. Do the right thing. Please make sure to download and listen to SOB on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production.